Welcome everybody to the Never Watchers Does the Movies episode 5. I am one of your co-hosts, I am Pete Beckett, and I'm joined as always by Mr. Kurt Lewin. Hi Pete. Hello to the audience. How are you, how are you mate? Yeah, doing good, thanks. Good. Feels like, I was saying just before we start recording, it feels like ages since we last done this, and that's because it has. It's been nearly a month, so... Yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. We've been rather busy. Life has got in the way. But let's not divulge too much. Let's just get into this one. So as per the user poll uh, that was posted after our secret invasion episode, we had a winner and that was Fantastic Mr. Fox. So we are going to talk about that today. So I'm going to run through the cast list, director, writers and a little bit of trivia. Then we'll just get into the plot like we usually do. So... um so starring as Mr. Fox was uh, George Clooney, as this being an animated movie, this is all voiced. So uh, Meryl Streep as Mrs. Fox, Bill Murray as Badger, uh, Jason Schwartzman as Ash, uh, Wallace Wolodarski as Kylie, uh, Eric Chase Anderson as Christopherson, Willem Dafoe as Rat, and Michael Gambon as Franklin Bean. Now this was written by um, Wes Anderson and Noah Bombach and directed by Wes Anderson. So, um, I'll do the trivia in a bit because it is killing me to think to know what you think about this movie. So, Kurt, did you like this? Um, no. <laughs> Ooh, you might. Okay. Um, see you later, everyone. This this is the end of the episode. <laughs> I guess saying no is a little harsh. I didn't think it was bad. Okay. But I can't say that I enjoyed it either. That's fair and. Yeah, I mean, I think it was um, stated uh, um, when it came to Wes Anderson films, you're not the biggest fan of them usually, are you? No. Um, well, uh, uh, like, hands up, the only Wes Anderson film I've ever seen is Grand Budapest Hotel, after it was, like, recommended by every man and his dog. Um, Pretty much, yeah. Uh, I think I actually remembered distinctly going to watch it after it was really bigged up on um, the Modern Escapism podcast yeah. um, a year or so ago um, so I, yeah I went and watched it and um, that was a film I just didn't like again it kind of reflects my opinions on this film in that I don't like to say that it's a bad film because like the way it's shot and the um, like the colours used and everything like that, like it's a, Wes Anderson. I, it's clear to me has got a very distinct style of about mm-hmm. his films and humour about them. Yeah. Um, but they just don't do anything for me whatsoever. That's look. There's no argument with that really. Like if you can't get get on board with a director, an actor, a writer. That's perfectly fine. Not everyone has the same taste, you know, and we seem to forget that in this day and age, usually, don't we? Yeah, it's weird though because I, I, I don't really feel as though I have these feelings for pretty much any other director that I can think of. Like, mm-hmm. um, I think maybe a decent example would be like Christopher Nolan. Like, yeah, the I think I've not seen all of his films, but I've seen most of them. What ones haven't you seen at this point? Um, Tenet. 
and Oppenheimer. Okay, uh, we won't talk about Oppenheimer because that might be a future episode. Yeah. Not gonna lie. Um, um, Tenet, I'm a big fan of Nolan, but Tenet is not that great, to be honest. Well, for me, um, the one the one of his that I didn't like was Dunkirk, whereas mm. I do like the rest of his films. Okay, so I'm probably with you on Dunkirk. I wasn't the biggest fan of it either. Um, I right. felt that the time mechanics on it weren't very well explained, even at the very beginning, and then it sort of just gets a bit confusing as a result of it. Um, mm. There always feels like there has to be some outlandish concept with Nolan films, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, so fair enough. Um, yeah. Tenet was just a bit weird, to be honest, and not overly great. It had some good performances in it, but when your main character is called protagonist, that's a bit weird to me. It's sort of yeah. I, I can't think of the words to describe it. It's oh, it's hitting the uncanny valley. I think is where I'm sort of going with that. I guess my 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 point is that with other directors, um, normally I'm able to find um, a few of the films or even just one of them that I'll like within their rep- repertoire. Unless it's Martin um, Madonna, which he like pretty much all of them. Oh yeah, well yeah, there's loads of directors that I like all their work. Yeah. Um, but with Wes Anderson, um, although I guess I haven't seen, I've only seen these those two films, but yeah. I just kind of feel I know already, even based on trailers. Like I remember watching the Asteroid City trailer, mm-hmm. and I just knew this isn't going to be any different to Grand Budapest Hotel in terms of the the style of it. Um, yeah, this is yeah. very much a Wes Anderson film. Yeah, that's that's the thing is when you see a trailer for a Wes Anderson movie, you can pick it out as being a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I admire him for that. Like as I say, his films definitely have a distinct style to him that's not replicated by anyone else, mm. and that's a really good quality. Um, but yeah, as I say, they just didn't, just doesn't uh, click with me in in any way whatsoever. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. I like Wes Anderson movies, but there are some that I just really do not like. Like Isle of Dogs, I just could not get along with. Um, mm. Grand Budapest Hotel was okay, but it wasn't my favourite. Now his earlier work I really enjoy. So like Ron Tellenbaum's and um, Darjeeling Limited, I think they're they're brilliant movies, but some of his more recent work hasn't gelled with me, so I get that completely. But he still has this very distinct visual style with a very select, very interesting brand of comedy and writing. And I think that's mm. what makes it st- makes most of his films stand out in a massive way, and it's why it resonates mostly with quite a lot of people. So, but... so th- this was one of your picks. So um, is this a film that uh, I guess you really like? Um, so, this is the interesting thing about this one. I put this up as a recommendation because I really liked it when I first saw it. Upon right. watching it for this, I see a lot of problems. Right. And it's not to say it's bad, but I think it's more the fact that I have a massive affiliation both with Roald Dahl and the Fantastic Mr. Fox story itself. Not so mm. much the direction of the movie or the what. Or, or anything else, but I will give it its praises. I think it's got an utterly stellar cast that blow everyone nearly out of the water with every performance. It's brilliant. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. Particularly George Clooney is, like, made for that role. Oh, he's... I, I couldn't imagine him or anyone else being Mr. Fox at no. all. And it, it's quite a funny thing, actually, because Jason Schwartzman, who plays Ash, is pretty much in every single one of Wes Anderson's movies. Kind of like Owen Wilson is as well. And even he's got... Like, he's in the cast, but he's a very in a very minor role, so I didn't include him as part of the cast list. But mm. you also have the same with Bill Murray as well. Bill Murray's in every single one of his movies, I think. So it's just it's just really strange. But yeah, this cast is unbelievable. So I'll I'll take nothing away from it in, as such. So but we'll we'll get into that a bit more as we dive delve deep into the into the plot. So uh, I'm just gonna run over these bits of trivia and then we can just crack into it. So uh, when Mr. Fox and Kylie uh, are in Fox's studies going over the plans for the first heist. Uh, Fox is sitting in a large armchair with a board on the armrest that he's using as a table for his microphone. This is exactly how Roald Dahl used to write his stories based on old photographs. Mm. And secondly, uh, although 535 uh, puppets were made for this movie, Mr. Fox had 17 different styles alone, and each of Mr. Fox's uh, styles had to be done in six different sizes. He had 102 puppets alone. No. It's incredible. Mm. So, go on. That's another thing I really liked about the film was the, like, puppet animation. Yeah, the animation style is utterly incredible. Like, there are things about this movie that I really love, but there are things that I found upon this watch a little bit more not as enjoyable as the first time I watched it. Now, I'm guessing they use the same technique for Isle of Dogs I think they do yeah it's been a long time since I've seen Isle of Dogs and to be fair I didn't get through the whole thing I just couldn't couldn't sit through it and I was due to go back and watch it again just forgot to go back and watch it because it clearly didn't compel me enough to want to Mm. but uh, it'll be one on the list that I guess I'll have to go back and watch but uh, anyway I've got one thing I want to bring up about this film first and foremost, and this is an unusual one. I know, obviously, the time that it was made is a little bit different, because I think this is 2008, isn't this? Nine. Or 2009. Okay. The runtime on this is very short. Yeah. I I did admire it for that, because you don't get many films under 90 minutes. I agree. It doesn't overstay. It's welcome, and it's brisk. Like... It doesn't linger on too many scenes for too long. It's it's short, it's impactful, it's punchy, and I think that's probably a, a massive strong point towards the movie. Yeah. So, let's get into it, shall we? Let's let's talk about the plot, and we'll bring up selected scenes that you want to specific you want to discuss, and then we can talk about them. Yeah. So um, the opening is where Mr. Fox um, uh, triggers a fox trap whilst there. Um, and him and his wife, Felicity, are raiding a squab farm. Yeah. Um, and she reveals that she's pregnant at that point and pleads with him to, if they escape, to get a safer job rather than being this, um, I guess, what, what would you Master call it? Master criminal. Yeah. Um, or, so, or, or, or shall we go with what the film describes him as? A predator or something like that. Yeah, he's, he's a hunter or something along those lines. Yeah. Um. So, 
the build-up to this is obviously she reveals that she's pregnant when they're in the cage, so after they've been caught. But he's having these moments where he's like, oh, should we do this or should we do this? And then he's sort of leading the charge, even though he's asking her opinion. And she says that she's not feeling very well. Like, it was just a bug or something. Now, did you know that she was going to be, like, she was going to reveal that she was pregnant at that, let's call it, worst possible time? No. Okay. That's, I'm not going to say that's surprising, but I I thought that was telegraphed. Even the first time I watched it, it was like, yeah, just a 24-hour bug. Mm, I'm going to debate that. Right. Well, something I should probably bring up now. So, I have read the the book, mm-hmm. but it was so long ago when I was a kid. I literally remember nothing about it. At I'm all. gonna I'm gonna sentiment uh, mirror that sentiment. It's been so long since I've seen uh, since I've read the book. Yeah, so I didn't know how faithfully this this plot stuck to it. So I... I think the only thing that I when it happened that I remembered from the book was when his tail got shot off. Yes, that's the only thing that I distinctly remember because I think at that time when I was reading when I when it was being read for me as a kid, or um, yeah, I remember that being quite um, quite the emotional moment. Let's say yeah, and then like and then I think I remembered the the plot from that point on was the story of either him or someone else trying to retrieve it. Yeah. Yeah, though, like I said, those are the only things that I do remember of, remember about the book itself. And to be fair, I probably should go back and read it again, actually, because Roald Dahl is a fantastic author. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. So yeah, I I did find it very interesting, obviously, in this opening uh, set of scenes, where he's giving um, as you say, it's Felicity, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, she's giving her the option of which way they want to go, but he's directing the way to go. It was like, oh, should we take the scenic route or the, or, or the shortcut? I was like, oh, let's take the scenic route. It was like, yeah, but the shortcut is actually technically... Oh, the, the scenic route is technically quicker than the shortcut. Yeah. So it's, And they kind of play into that later on when they are doing the... I think it's the first attempt to steal from one of the chicken factories with Badger. Yeah, and there's a moment where they can either go over this electric fence, but Badger's like, "Thought this way is a lot easier." Yeah, <laughs> but he's just like, "No, no fence. We'll, we'll, we'll go." Uh, and then, oh yeah, and then he just looks at it and was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah." <laughs> so I think it's stuff like that that does work. It's like those specific bits of comedy do actually really work quite well. But then I think there are some instances throughout the film where there are. It feels a little bit forced, let's say. Yeah, well, yeah, this is uh, this was one of the problems that we'll come on to later. But and yeah, um, so twelve years later, um, Mr. Fox he's been working as um, a newspaper columnist, and they're move, They're currently living inside, well, they're underground, um, mm. and he wants to move his family to inside a tree um, he's ignoring the warnings of um, his lawyer Mr Badger about how dangerous the area is due to its proximity to the three farmers uh, factories 
yeah, and these are the three three biggest farmers in the entire region that um, produce the most amount of stock, pretty much across. Let's let's just call it for what it is across across the country. Yeah, I think this was the first time where I instantly knew I was watching a Wes Anderson film with the in, reveal of these three farmers. In what way? Uh, so as each farmer is revealed. Um, it just shows you them, each of them, mm-hmm. stood in front of their factory with like some workers behind them, and I, d- I don't know. It's, it's something that I recognise from the Grand Budapest Hotel. Whenever like a new, for most most of the time, whenever a new character was introduced, it was something similar to that. Oh, from yeah, what I remember, of, of course, yeah, it's a very distinctive style that he does because I'm pretty sure he does it in the Royal Tenenbaums as well. Yeah. So yeah, yes. it's very very distinctive to him, but I, I can see why it, you know it would have that flair. It makes sense to some degree, but it, I just think I think on that that instance you could go with tell not show. Well, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I wasn't like necessarily complaining about it. It was just the point that I suddenly recognised this as a Wes Anderson film because yeah. it's something that. I think only really he he does. Agreed, yeah, agree. Um, but anyway, uh, Mr. Fox um, ignores the warnings and they decide to move into this tree. And soon after they move in, uh, Felicity's nephew, um, Chris Christopherson, mm-hmm. um, he comes to live with them due to his father receiving some uh, long-term medical treatment for double pneumonia. Yeah. Um, while Mr. and Mrs. Fox welcome him, um, their son Ash, he finds the situation un- intolerable. Oh, he absolutely cannot stand Christopherson for no, for, and it's not, well, you say it's not exactly, a, I say it's not exactly apparent. You know, it becomes very, very queer, clear, very quickly, um, why he doesn't like him. Yeah. He's basically better at him than at everything. And it's like more charming and with everyone. Yeah, and he also has has Mr. Fox's respect almost immediately. Yeah, from the diving yeah. scene. So uh, I just want to drink, drag it back a little bit because you, we talked about um, when he's talking to uh, Badger about moving into the tree. Mm. Um, when they when they start to properly argue and they start snarling at each other. Mm. I thought that was really enjoyable because it just goes back to showing their real animalistic tendencies and you forget that obviously throughout the film because they're talking and interacting like human beings you do forget sometimes that they are animals. Yeah, I also liked it whenever they ate something they just ravaged it. Oh, that that is um, a visual quirk as well and it seems to be uh, probably one of my most enjoyable parts about it as well is they've really taken into account what what the animals would be like to some degree, you know yeah. they have they have their tendencies like, and we'll I, I guess we'll get onto this later on in the film as well when it's um when we get much later on into sort of like the third the third act, because yeah. they play onto that in a massive way, don't they? Yeah. Uh, so m- once they've moved in, um, this is when we start to get the impression that Mister Fox. Um, he's longing for his days as as a thief, thief. Sorry, um, 
and so he gets his um, his friend Kyle, who's a possum. Um, yeah. He gets him to come and help him steal produce from all of these three farms. So just something here I've made a note of on Kylie. Mm-hmm. And something that this comes up a few times in the film, and I just didn't get it at all. Uh, when his eyes go all weird, and he just stares at Mr. Fox. Yeah, that like was in a trance. It's like I was waiting for that to get explained, but as far as I was aware, it didn't. It never does, and I agree with you on the sec on this watch. I did look at that, and I go. It doesn't really like I was sort of waiting for an explanation as well, and it never does get explained. And I think it's an it, it's a quirk of the animation choice, I guess. But it's I just felt that it probably should have had an explanation to it. It's just yeah, weird. It, it it's just, weird. Yeah, to it's me. Just weird. Yeah, yeah. Because it just goes into this trance, like randomly. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's just not explained in any way it's no, really it, weird it, it really isn't explained very, like at all and I felt it could have afforded with having an explanation even if it's just like something as simple of he has an attention span of a young child or something yeah but later on it happens to Mr Fox as well yes it does when I think he's talking is he talking to Felicity or someone else I think, or, or, no, or is it when he's facing the beagle, maybe? Uh, it's when he's facing the beagle. Yeah. Yeah, and he just looks at it with, like, blank eyes, basically. Yeah, but even then it's not explained. No, but then we also have it where any character that, that dies has the X's over their eyes. And you get that because that's a, oh, that's yeah, a, normal, that. that's a normal quirk of, like, animation techniques, especially in kids, kids' animation. That... That you sort of get. It doesn't need explanation, but the uh, the hypnotic eyes, let's call them, don't get any explanation whatsoever, and I think that is to its detriment. Yeah, cause I think it's done because it's trying to play it for a laugh. I think it probably is, yeah. Like, but yeah, it just didn't make any sense, and I didn't think it was particularly funny either. No, okay, so speaking of things that might have come across as pretty funny, some people may consider it to not be. I'd be interested to see your your opinion on it. The uses of the word cuss instead of swear words. Um, I, don't, I don't really have that much of an opinion on it. I guess I think it would have been weird if they were swearing in it, so I imagine they wanted this to be appealing to kids yeah it is very much a pg movie uh it appeals it probably does appeal to kids it's probably as a result of him adapting the work from Roald Dahl which is notorious for being a, a kid's novel that he wanted to keep that key demographic that way i just not sure it works for me i think the first instance it's okay it works pretty well within the context but I think towards the end of the movie, it, it sort of it becomes quite aggressive. Like, right. you, it's like you notice that these fil- that Wes Anderson is a filmmaker who makes films for an older an older generation or older demographic, and he he probably wanted to swear but couldn't. And towards the end of the film, it just becomes massively overplayed. And I think if they would have kept it minimal, it would have been more impactful. 
if you, I don't know if you've ever watched SpongeBob SquarePants. That's the only example I can think of where they use some other word that you know would normally be a swear word. So yeah. like, he says like, "Oh, barnacles." Yes. Yeah. Does it annoy you in stuff like that? Uh, no, because the um, first of all, I haven't watched that much SpongeBob, but I do know what you're talking about. And secondly, it doesn't happen very frequently in SpongeBob. So when it does happen, it's sort of like it's impactful because it's there for a reason. Mm. So I think the first instance that you see this is where they talk, where he's talking to um, talking to Badger about mo- uh, about the real estate, and they get into an argument, and then they're 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 cussing at each other, and that makes sense because they're in an argument. But then he's but then it's sort of later on towards the movie like the end of the movie where he's like what the cuss like why is this cussing happening and stuff like that it's like okay it's it, it's played it's definitely played for a laugh but I think that laugh has now been overplayed mm. yeah yeah I, I do understand where you're coming from mm. uh, so where were oh yeah so uh him and his friend Kyle, they've um, stealed the produce from all the three farms, um, and then they start. They they also start to take Christoph, Christopherson along with them on some of the raids, which yeah, deep just deepens Ash's resentment for him. Yeah. Um. Cause, um <laughs> so I think um, one thing that does I, I need to ask you about is. Um, how did you make the explanation about the um, the weird sport that they were playing? Um, so when Ash and Christopherson are in school and they yeah they're being coached in this and where he's like oh I'm gonna be an athlete I'm gonna do it this time and then Christopherson just comes in and plays it for the first time and it's just amazing at it yeah like that sport seems really confusing. Did you <laughs> with that explanation? Did you have an First of all, did you have any clue what the hell was even going on? And second of all, did you at least find that amusing? Um, I didn't find it amusing, um, but I just saw it as um, some form of like rounders, really. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I, I'll be honest, I did find it amusing because it, I think the point of the joke is that it's supposed to be overly complex for like no particular reason, and then you, and then you see the visual cue of him actually doing it, and it's like. Oh, this is more simplistic than it should be. Oh yeah, yeah, I see what you mean now. Yeah, when because it, yeah, it's like almost an obstacle course that he has to. Essentially, yeah, yeah. But it's it's the way that he's visualizing it, like with all the arrows and all that, like where it just goes into a complete mess, and it's like, okay, I get the point of the joke there. I think that is kind of funny, actually. Hmm. Um, uh, one bit that did make me laugh is when. Because obviously Mr. Fox, he's been concealing all these or hiding all these outings from his wife. Yeah, um, so he's got the but, um, he's got the chickens, the smoked meats, and the cider, right? Yeah. Um, and one night when he returns back um, with Christopherson and um, Kylie, and she is she comes out of the darkness, saying, "Where have you been?" Mm. Um, and I did like the joke where she says some. She says something along the lines of, "Whatever I th- think this could be, it better not be it." That just made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's the line delivery by Meryl Streep that makes that exactly what it should be, and it's brilliant. Yeah. So, so uh, angered by the raids, the farmers decide to kill Mr. Fox. So they camp out near his home, and when Mr. Fox emerges, they open fire, but they only shoot off his tail. Mm. Um, so, because then Mr. Fox retreats back into his hole. Yeah. Um, they then decide to demolish the site of the tree um, and while attempting to uh, dig Mr Fox out they discover that the foxes have dug a escape tunnel yeah and this goes on for a good few minutes where they're just trying to escape the onslaught of uh, diggers um, cider being flushed down into their, into their holes everything yeah. it's just it's just an onslaught, isn't it? And actually, funnily enough, like the uh, the cider pouring is actually the only instance of CGI being used in this film. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, makes sense. Yeah, there's no way that they could try and do that practically, is it? Um, I mean, it could, but yeah, it would be far too difficult. And it's not just the foxes that are being affected by all this. The other animals, like beaver and. Um, Kylie, they're all affected as well because their their homes have been destroyed and they're trying to flood them out as well. Yeah, because um, Mr. Fox and his family do end up going to Badgers, and uh, as a result of that, their homes get destroyed because of it. Because they're yeah. on a vendetta against Mr. Fox. Everyone else is just an in- innocent bystander in all this. Yeah. So they do manage to escape to a certain extent, um, and. He managed, Mr. Fox um, gets all the animals together and they're starting to fear that they'll um, start starving. Mm. Um, so he leads them on a digging expedition to tunnel to each of these three farms and starts stealing all their prized goods. Yeah. Um, which they do. And then, whilst the animals feast, um, Ash and Christopherson, they begin to. Um, make up with each other because Christopherson defends Ash um, from Beaver's son. Yeah. Um, so once they make friends, they both slip away um, from the feast to return to the Mr. Bean's farm. Yeah, because um, they want to go and tr- I get think, the tail back. Yeah, Ash wants to go and retrieve the tail, doesn't he? But uh, Christopherson yeah. gets uh, captured as a result of it. Yeah. Uh, and then that's um, pretty much what the rest of the film is about, is trying to get Christopherson back. Yeah. So it's 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 become a change in, change in pace, really. It's rather, rather than it becoming a heist, it's a, it's a rescue mission. Yeah. Um, so Mr. Fox, he realises that the farmers plan to use Christopherson to lure him out into an ambush. Mm. So instead, Mr. Fox heads to the surface and surrenders, but returns when um, Rat, who is like one of the violent, he's like a security guard for the Bean. Yeah, so we see him earlier on when obviously he's protecting the cider for one of the farmers, and he yeah, yeah he ends up making his way down into the into the tunnels to uh, try and apprehend them. Yeah, so and he ends up um, confronting all the animals and attacks at Ash and Felicity. Yeah. Then Mr. Fox comes and he has a fight with Mr. Rat, which results in um, the, the rat being pushed into a generator and yeah. ele- electrocuting him to death. 
yeah, and then he's uh, given a, then he's pushed off into the water and let sail, basically. In quite yeah. a poignant little scene, actually, despite the fact that he's the aggressor, they all mourn him. Yeah, I thought that was a bit weird, really. It was strange, but the other weird part about this is obviously when they get the note from from the farmers, mm. and you got the uh, the hu- the humorous side of it is the fact that they rather than handwriting their note because they're humans, they use cut out like cut out letters from a magazine. Yeah, and then you have then... that on the reverse when Mister Fox sends his yeah. note back, which yeah, that is co- that is probably the funniest moment. It, funniest few things that happen in the film Mm. and I don't know why it just made me laugh as much as it did (laughs) Uh, just before dying Rat reveals that Christopherson is being held in an attic on Bean's farm Yeah, which um, what prompts Mr Fox to go on um, the rescue mission probably what actually just thinking about it is probably why they mourn him because he actually redeemed himself at the end of it in fact they even say that don't they it was like he redeemed himself yeah yeah so it's not as weird as it thought as i remembered but hey still a bit strange so mr fox asked the farmers for a meeting in town near the sewers uh, yep. sewer hub and offers to surrender himself on the condition that the farmers free Christopherson mm-hmm. and spares the other animals. So the farmers prepare an ambush at the sewers, um, but the other animals anticipating it launch counter-attack yeah. that allows Mr. Fox, Ash and Kylie to enter Bean's farm undetected. Yeah, Flam- uh, flammable pine cones used as grenades. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> quite cool. Yeah, it was... Um, I'd- I did think here, surely the farmers would have anticipated this, so maybe they didn't all need to be there. They could have had a plan B where some of them are guarding Christopherson. They could have done, really, but I think there was um, there was a clearly one aggressor in all of this. And I can't remember. Yeah. And it's, um, it's Mr Bean, isn't it? So Yeah. Uh, and it's just... Yeah, he he's the one driving all of this. He's the one constantly radioing back to his to his wife for more supplies, for more things. So you get the feeling that he's on this personal vendetta to get them, that he's somewhat been blindsided by certain by certain instances. Let's say. Yeah. Um, so when Mister Fox, Ash, and Kylie arrive there, they come across this rabid beagle, which up to this point has kind of been. Um, like a, a bit of a legend or a, um, within it's an urban myth at this point yeah it's just uh, yeah you get the you get the sort of um, the payoff to the line earlier where he says oh you, sh- you should never look a beagle in the eyes yeah, um, yeah. I, guess, I guess that maybe explains why he makes his eyes go all weird maybe, like, maybe um, yeah maybe it's just pure fear yeah, the thing I didn't get though is the beagle doesn't, when the three of them turn up, the beagle doesn't even look as if he's bothered at all. No, but it's only when he, when Mr. Fox gets closer and closer to him is when he starts to care. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I did think that was a little bit weird. Yeah, you'd think that this rabid beagle would attack on sight. Well, yeah, it's rabid, it wants to bite things. Yeah, that's that's my point. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's not didn't seem very rabid, other than its mouth was foaming. No, and obviously the 
you know, he's taking the chew toy to him as cl- and getting as close as possible, then it suddenly switches into pure anger, and it's like, this should have happened a long time ago. Like, mm. the minute they came out of that hole, or wherever they come from, should have been straight on them. There yeah. should have been more peril with the fact that it could have got to Ash and Kylie. Yeah. So, Mr. Fox, whilst he's distracting the beagle, uh, Ash and uh, he goes and frees uh, Christofferson mm-hmm. um, and impresses his father and uh, by braving enemy fire to release the rabid beagle to keep the farmers at bay. Yeah. Um, the animals snatch the foxtail from Mr. Bean and uh, rips it apart. Um, Christofferson, he picks up the torn tail as the group escape back to the sewers. Yeah, and they tie it back, uh, he ties it onto the bike as if it's like a little flag, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and the, there's this scene with the wolf as well, isn't there? Which yeah, again so is something I didn't really get. Like, I know that it's made clear that Mr. Fox is scared of wolves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just didn't really get this moment in the film. No, it's like it was supposed to have a payout here. Like, he's scared of wolves, but yeah, he's talking to this wolf, even though it's from distance, and he gets him to salute him like a um, like a hero. And I don't yeah. really, I, I personally didn't really get the point of it. No, me neither. It yeah. just, it just, it's like it filled runtime because they had to kill, they had to fill up a few more minutes at the end, like, to make sure the runtime was at, like, a serviceable 75 or 80 minutes or something. Mm. Uh, yeah, I just didn't get it at all. Yeah, because it he only makes the point like up to this point we've not seen the wolf at all. Like that was something I was expecting to happen later on was this wolf to come into the film a bit more because it is highlighted on a, a few occasions that uh, Mr. Fox um, doesn't like wolves. Yeah, and it's um. It's one of these things as well, and I said I would get back to this later on. It's obviously where he's giving the rousing speech and talking about everyone's Latin names to the animals and that, and how they have their own abilities, basically, and to use use them as their strengths. Like, mm. I thought there was going to, like like with you, I really did think there was going to be more of a payoff with it. There was, like, there was going to be a chase or something. He would have to overcome the wolf in some way. Because he said he yeah. was scared of them, but he's never met one before. But yet, yeah, you don't see any, you don't see any fear in him at all about this wolf. Despite him being miles away, this wolf could easily chase him down and chase them all down. But it doesn't, mm. and I don't get why. Yeah, ju- just going back to that point or that you just raised about when he was um, dishing out the roles that each one of them was going to play based yeah. on their strengths. I was expecting more of a heist type feel to the last third of the film. Yeah. When after that scene. Yeah, I, I thought, did as well. But it doesn't really play out that way. Not as much as you think it should. No. Yeah, I was expecting something more akin to like Ocean's Eleven with. Yeah, it was like puppets. some some double crossing and some. You know, some. Well, not necessarily that. I just thought that these farms would, I don't know, have some systems in place that meant that each of them had to dig into their strengths a little more. 
Yeah, they didn't. They they gave this whole big thing about what their strengths were, and they didn't tend to use them really at all. And no. it's a bit. It was also a bit strange that the three biggest farms across the entirety of the country that produce the most amount of export, and yet there's barely any security to them whatsoever. <laughs> Other than beagles. Yeah, rabid beagles at that. Mm. But but don't do anything until you come about two feet away from them. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, as the farmers wait for the animals to come out of the hole, the animals settle into their new home in the sewers. Yeah. Um, and invite any other animals to join them. Mm-hmm. Uh, soon after, uh, Mr. Fox, sporting his new clip-on tail, um, yeah. raid a supermarket owned by the farmers, where Felicity reveals that her and uh, that she's pregnant again. Yeah, and this time um, they're both glowing. Yeah. I I did think that was actually a good line and a good payoff towards the very first, op- to the opening of the movie, obviously, where he says, well, you're positively glowing. Hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. And then it just ends with them all dancing, celebrating the fact yeah. that they've got this supermarket where they can get food from. Yeah, they've got this... Uh, like endless source of food that's closed at the weekend. Yeah. Which just just or, so happens or, to be incredibly convenient. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was that's the wrap. Uh, yeah. I was going to say this is going to be a short episode, but it's about normal, despite the fact right. that this film is only seventy-five to eighty minutes long. Maybe <laughs> even 80, 83 or something. I can't remember exactly, but I saw the runtime on Disney, and it was like. Oh yeah, I forget how short this movie is. Yeah. I don't, it doesn't bother me. I think it. I think pacing wise, it works really well for that that instance. But yeah, it's, it's just strange to come across a film these days that's less than two hours. Yeah. So, yeah. So so that's Mister F- uh, Fantastic Mister Fox. So I'll let you go first, Kirk, and uh, give you a final thoughts, wrap up, and give a score of it. So I'll probably give this. So, it's difficult for me because, on a personal level, I would give it like a two or a two point five out of five. Mm-hmm. Because even though I've meant like there's a few moments in it that like are a bit humorous, but even those moments, I would say they just got a, like a bit of a chuckle out of me. There mm-hmm. was not there was no moments where I was really like even getting close to belly laughing um, and I was kind of confused as to whether it is supposed to be a comedy and the jokes just didn't jibe with me mm. or whether it was I didn't I didn't really know what genre it was falling into yeah um, so the style as I've mentioned of Wes Anderson I find more annoying than I do. Um, I don't know what the right word would be. More annoying than I do find it enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and I felt the same way about Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, I think I think I preferred this one slightly just because the fact that it is an animation rather than it being real people, because. What annoys me with what annoyed me with Grand Budapest Hotel was I was just always thinking 
people just don't act in this way. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, and that really took me out of the experience and the story it was trying to tell. Mm. So I think it gets away with it a little bit more in this. Um, but yeah, I just didn't find it funny really um yeah the style doesn't click with me but on the other hand i appreciate that it's a it's a well like shot film from a cinematography point of view Mm -hmm. i like the bright colors that are used the animation was really well done with the puppets um and uh, yeah i appreciate that it was like a really it was well paced with the shorter running time yeah so Head says um, it would probably be like a 3.5 or a 4 out of 5. Mm-hmm. But Heart says a 2. <laughs> Sound, sounds like it's a 2.5 to a 3 for me, so somewhere in the middle then. Right. Well, I mean, I mean in your, your standpoint. Oh, right, there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from because logically you want to, you want to give it like higher because it's got some good things about it but yeah your heart's saying nah and I get that because I feel probably exactly the same way despite the fact that I did really enjoy this movie the first time I saw it I did enjoy it this time around as well but not as much as I did the first time I I can't take away too much away from what you said because I think it's absolutely spot on for the most part like pacing wise it's it's fantastic like it's got some really snappy dialogue in it um, some really good performances um, and and an animation style and puppetry work that are just that are flaw- nearly flawless but it mm. is just it is just those Wes, Han- Wes Anderson quirks that you mentioned that just I'm just not sure they're for me because I just since watching quite a few of his other movies like I wouldn't say recently um, you can definitely notice them and I will, would agree with you on Grand Budapest Hotel like Humans don't act that way, so it definitely fits more with the animated style with with animals. But mm. I still don't think this is like this isn't a strong point in terms of his career, but I don't think it's his weakest either. So mm. I, I'm probably going to go with a three on this one, which is quite disappointing for me because uh, the first time I watched this, I, I absolutely loved it, but yeah, I just don't think time has been too kind on this one. Let's say, yeah. I think that's our joint uh, lowest score then that we've dished out for our at the movies um, series. Yeah, yeah. So I think up to this point we've only covered films that we've absolutely really loved. That, both we're, of us. that we're not gonna we're not gonna agree on everything. Oh no. Sometimes no, yeah. we do, but it is it's not always the fact that we're always gonna pick out an absolute winner every single time, and no. I think that's what's gonna make this enjoyable is as we go along we might find a few films that one of us either really loves or one of us really hates. Because mm. looking back at that list, I know there's one I'm going to absolutely despise watching again. I won't say which one it is, because yeah, I'm sure one. you probably know. I, I, what, no, I don't. I'm not sure. If it's one of your picks... Then... It's going to be one of my picks, for sure. Yeah, except there's one of my picks that you haven't seen, which I'm not looking forward to watching again. Oh, I'll be interested to know what that is. We might have to talk off air about it. Mm. Okay. So with that said, uh, obviously, yeah, but Karen, if you've got yeah, anything I just got, to mention. Yeah, uh, I've just got one thing I wanted to ask of the listeners that I'd be interested to hear back from them on, um, who 
whether it's on Discord or whatever, mm-hmm. um, is if you remember the story in, as in the book of this of Fantastic Mr. Fox, does it? How much does it diverge, if at all, from the book? This film. That's actually a very good question. Uh, so yeah, get in touch with us. We'll let you know how to get in touch with us in various methods. <laughs> Uh, in a moment but yeah please let us know how much it diverts away from the book if it does at all so Kurt do you want to let everyone know where they can make contact yeah we are at neverwatchers on twitter and if you want to contact me on um, the well you can message me on um, on twitter at angrykurt.com uh, not dot com it's just at angrykurt um, not but um I'll I'll see like any messages or any like um, tweets that you tag me in. Yeah. Um, and if you want to catch us in any of the discords we're in, um, we're in the Modern Escapism and Rapid Reviews discords. Yep. Uh, also, we have an email, so you can uh, email us at neverwatcherspodcast at gmail Unfortunately, you can't get in contact with me on Twitter because I don't I I nuked my account. I'm actually quite glad for it, to be honest. But if you did want to uh, make direct contact, you can do so uh, at the Rapid Reviews Radio dis- uh, Twitter, which is our, at RR Radio Pod. I still man that one, so you can still get in contact with me on there. So, uh, what we'll do is we'll post the, the poll up once this episode goes live um, for the next episode. So keep an eye out for that. The short uh, we usually put them up for a couple of days, and then we can decide from there what's going to be next. So it will be a does the movies next because we're not due to cover the Marvel Universe stuff until October when Loki season two comes out. So um, yeah, keep an eye on Twitter. Keep an eye on uh, when this episode goes live. There might be a Q and A on there to see what you think about. Uh, to put down your thoughts on there because Spotify now does that. So, good stuff. Please get in touch if, if then let us know. But until we see you then, we hope you have a great week, great month, whatever, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Goodbye. Bye.